Hello, welcome to your next stop. As you always know, I am always excited about a guest that is going to share a passion and how they followed it and turned it into a business to inspire you guys. And it's the same. I'm really excited for Lori Kessler, who I've known for actually years. So wait until you hear the story unfold. So welcome, Lori. How are you? Thank you so much, Juliet. It's great to see to to be here to see you. It's a door. It's been great catching up with you because I just hear your like own excitement and passion at what you're doing. It like literally exudes from you. So it's exciting to see what you've created. And thank you for having me. Welcome to your next stop. This is Juliet Hahn. I am a wife, mom, virtual coach, public speaker, and crazy obsessed dog lover. I am so honored to be able to take you into the life of someone that has followed a passion. Every week, I hope you are as inspired as I am. Welcome to your next stop. Actually, it's funny. I reached out to Lori because I had some, I wanted some advice. I was like, Lori, can you check this out? Lori and I used to work together many, I mean, I don't, it's, I think it's like 16 years ago, which sounds yeah. so crazy, right? <laughs> no, yes. I think, yeah, we're approaching 20. Uh, yeah, in a few years. Yes. Right. Because I, I, I'm thinking of when Montgomery was born and it was before that. So yes, you're right. We're approaching 20. So I reached out to Lori because I, I wanted some advice from her. And as we started talking, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Your story <laughs> actually is is one that would be great for my podcast listeners because you did exactly what I you know I have on my guests to tell. They share a story, and storytelling is so important because it gets people connected. So, Lori, I would love for you to just kind of go back to like you know, I mean, really growing up, like what you loved, where you went to college and you don't have, you know, you don't have to dive too deep into that, but like mm -hmm. just a little bit about that. So my, get, my listeners can kind of hear what shaped you and then where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, maybe helpful to know about what I do now first, because I've literally made my dreams come true. And all these things that I dreamt about when I was a little kid have now manifested in my adult life. So basically, um, I acquired a company called The Celebrity Source three years ago. That's a 30-year-old business. And we basically are celebrity experts, celebrity matchmakers. So we work with brands and nonprofits and organizations that want celebrities for strategies, marketing, promotions, uh, whatever is going to elevate their brand. So it could be endorsement deals, social media campaigns, etc. I think, you know, to kind of go back to my childhood and what brought me here, I just know as a kid, you know, I grew up in the 70s. So I was a latchkey kid, basically raised on television. <laughs> I had two older <laughs> brothers that were supposed to be babysitting me, but weren't. <laughs> so on the Brady Bunch and Love Boat and, you know, everything else in the early days of HBO where you would just watch like Grease and Grease 2 a thousand times over and over again. <laughs> and I just knew as a little kid that I just would always be good at, oh, that's the person from that movie and that movie or that show. So really good at just identifying faces and celebrities and just consuming celebrity and pop culture. Teen Beat and early days, I guess maybe there was Us Magazine. And I just knew I loved movie posters and movie trailers and that I wanted to somehow get in that industry. So it did, did so when like I want to take you back so like when I can see that cuz I totally I I mean I loved those shows as well. So when you watched them was it like just a different feeling? Like did you feel like super excited and probably more 
than the average person, right? Some, like I loved that stuff, but it didn't like fuel me. Like I'd be like, oh, that's so fun. And yes, it made me happy and stuff. But what was the feeling like? Do, can you think back to like when you were watching that? Because I literally saw your face like light up as you were talking <laughs> about those shows. So like I could see you sitting there as a child being excited, right? Being like, oh yeah. my gosh, this is like, this is something that's exciting me. So did you do like when you were saying with the magazines, did you read the magazines or did you just cut out the pictures and put them on your walls? That's what I did. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it's funny because probably therapy and all, you know, you start to understand like your childhood and those loneliness at moments, but I think they were like my friends, like Marsha Brady. I wanted to be her, you know, <laughs> or I, and I think that literally that little tiny eight-year-old that wanted to be friends with these people I saw on TV and in movies was like this driving force. I want to be friends right. with celebrities, you know? And I just had no idea really how to manifest that or like what you do. But then I guess college came around, you know, and it started to be about picking schools. And so I guess probably through my parents' guidance knew that Syracuse had a really good communication school. So, you know, just started to trend in whatever direction. I, I guess I sort of, I don't know that, you know, some people know, oh, I want to be a doctor when I grow up. I want to be this. I don't think I knew tactically what to go do for a living. I just knew this general, like, you know, sort of obsession I had <laughs> with celebrities. You know, I always had little celebrity crushes and all that kind of stuff from like, you know, I guess, uh, like who was early days, um, you know, oh, Johnny Depper, I mean, yeah, no, I Kirk think was before that, um, why am I spacing on Chachi's name? Who's Chachi? Oh, um, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Days. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and then just evolved from there. So I went to Syracuse, um, and that was just a great sort of, it was great for me in a lot of ways. I grew up out inside of DC and Maryland and it was, not really exposed to sort of this New York, New Jersey trifecta of, you know, kind of people and that grit and that edge. <laughs> so going to Syracuse, I was definitely dropped right in it. Um, but I also had a great, you know, major. I was again in the, yeah, new, the new house school there and majored in television and film and really just had a blast with that. I remember I had friends who just like in a, my guy friends would like never go to class. Ever. And I'd be like, your parents are paying so much money for you to be <laughs> right. in school. And they're like, well, we didn't pick a fun major like you, you know, I'm like, well, isn't that the point, you know, is to go you know, study what you like. And I think that was the first time where I saw like, not everyone knows what it really right. excites them. But you know what I also love that you just said is that even though you didn't know what you wanted, you knew what excited you, right? So you were like, well, let me figure out how to get into that. So like when I went to college, I first went into corporate fitness because I was good at, at fitness. So I was like, oh, this is what I'll be good at. And then very quickly when I had to take radio, I mean, when I had to take, um, what was it? Anatomy <laughs> and physiology. I was like, yeah. oh, no, I hate this. I hate, this is not what I wanted. And so then I switched to communications because I was good at communicating, right? I knew that that was a strength of mine. So I love that when you went to Syracuse, you didn't know exactly what you wanted to do, but you kind of thought back to your eight-year-old self, what kind of fueled you and what excited you. And you're like, how can I kind of spin that and see? And so... I mean, being a radio, television, film major, because I was the same, it was, mm -hmm. I mean, it was exciting. Like you went to yeah. class and it was fun. And even though I went into the advertising sales, you know, part of it, when I went to that class, I remember just a spark clicking and being like, Ooh, I want to do that. Even though it's funny because and people that know my story is because school was really hard for me. And so I went into school with double sports. So I played field hockey and lacrosse because that's what I was mm -hmm. good at. So that's why I right. initially went into 
you know, being a corporate fitness major. But then when I hurt my back and was like, you know what, an anatomy and physiology, I was like, I don't know. This is, this is too much. I don't like this. This is not exciting me. It's actually pissing me off. (laughs) I want to think (laughs) of something else, but I didn't see myself as creative. Um, And now, you know, my listeners know we laugh about that because it's so crazy because I'm so creative. I just wasn't creative in the formal I'm a really good drawler. And that's what I thought being creative was about, right? So when I took, I took my television class, you know, I still have the uh, sitcom that I wrote. I still say, I'm going to send that in somewhere. It's so fun. It was like pre-Friends. And it was like really kind of like a Friends episode. Like I loved that. I was on the radio, you know, I was on the radio. I was a DJ and, and I enjoyed all that. But when I took that advertising sales class because of the relationship part of it, and I knew I was good at that, that's what kind of fueled me into that avenue. So like when you were in that major, what was your favorite class? Like, what did you, like, what was the one that you were like, okay, I love the television, radio or film side. Did you have one of those that kind of sparked you a little bit more? Well, one thing I want to say to what you said, what's funny though, is here you are back in this circle and here you back in, you know, I think that's a trip because I know that with my career, it sort of was circuitous in certain ways. So yes. I think that that's, I always tell my kid who I, one of my kids is pretty creative. I said, hang on to that stuff. He kind of thinks he wants to go into gaming. I'm like the little mind and the little creative you yes. know, stuff that you're doing now I mean you could be like hitting a wall when you're 30 and go back to this thing you did when you were eight and it suddenly you know but it's it, it's so true and Lori that's what yeah. I, like that's what I love about being able to have a podcast and I remember the light bulb moment when I was like oh my god I'm so creative what have I been telling myself like that's so right. like I teach people not to give themselves a story but my whole life I've been telling myself I wasn't creative because I had a teacher somewhere down the line that was like you suck at art do what you're good at. And when I had kids, I literally used to tell them these, and my listeners know this, so they're going to be like, oh, here she goes again. But this is what excites (laughs) me. I literally Mm -hmm. used to have series of stories and I never wrote it down. It's kind of crazy. I was just actually talking to my 16 year old and I was like, we really should think about those because we would have had a a child like series of, of children's books. We had so many adventures and I would just come out of nowhere. And like, I would have friends that be like, did you just make that up? And I was like, yeah. yeah. And it's a form of storytelling, which is super creative, but mm-hmm. we don't, we're not taught that, right? We're taught like being creative means you could draw or you're, you know, there's different things or you're musical right. or there's something different than st- like storytelling is not And now it is, I really believe that now it has come like kind of full circle where people look at storytelling and they're like, that is a a form of an art and that is super creative. Well, and I think that that's what's amazing about what you're saying. And, and, you know, you asked me about class. I mean, I don't know that there was like a Eureka class. I just knew... It was really fun to like, I think I, again, harkening back to the Brady Bunch, which you'll see is this thread throughout my life, my past <laughs> love of the Brady Bunch. But I like, I did a, a, a riff on it before they even had those Brady Bunch spoof movies. And I had yes. all of my friends star in it. And I was Carol. And then all my friends were like the Brady kids. And we just were like really obnoxious, but it was, you know, classic. So fun. But I, I think, you know, what was interesting, uh, you know, once I got out of, was getting out of school. I'm like, all right, I know I love this. But even through with school, I did not know what to go do. And I don't know if college has gotten better about, you know, <laughs> identifying things for kids and starting to kind of like train them for actual workforce or how to translate what they've studied into actual job searches. 
Um, I'm, I'm a volunteer career coach for a lot of years and I've seen a lot of kids out of school and they're, they seem to still be kind of like, I don't know how to translate that. I don't even know what exists. And so right. as I was pro- approaching graduation, that was definitely happening for me. And I was not someone who was like raised like a city kid, love New York or anything like that. And I knew if I really wanted to be in this field, it was like New York or LA had an, like a, a, a love affair with what LA was, but all my family was East coast. Right. So a couple of things happened sort of that last semester of school. Um, one, one of my really good friends started dating. Uh, I came back for homecoming at alumni and he was an agent at William Morris, which is a really big talent agency. So I remember, and he like flew us to LA and it was like, you know, I'm like, all right, that's a job. That's a very specific job in this field. It was easy to identify. And I'm like, I'll try that. So that was like, you know, definitely sort of fate stepping in and being like, all right, here's a specific field, a job that you can do in entertainment. Um, And then I also, that spring break of my senior year, went to New York City and uh, fell in love with it. Thank God. Yes. (laughs) My only experience had been as a 16-year-old where my mom and grandma brought me and I just was like, what's this like dark city, dirty, filthy. (laughs) So that was transformative because, you know, I I spent a week there. I was like, all right, this is it. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. Like you, you have those moments. And that's, again, what I want my listeners to think about because I have, you know, so many listeners that are just going through life. And I shouldn't say so many, but I have, you know, listeners that will reach out to me and they're like, I don't, I don't know how someone did that. So I love like the fact that you just brought us back to that senior year, right? Where it was like, okay, this was a light bulb moment for you when your girlfriend was dating someone, because it was like, Mm -hmm. well, wait a second, that's actually a job in something that I'm interested in. So that's what I always want my listeners to go back. And that's why it's so important to go back and think, right? Just sit in and sometimes just sit and think about different moments and you'll get this feeling. And when you get that feeling, you're like, wait, that feeling is something. So many people stuff those feelings because they're like, oh, I don't know what to do with it. Right. So I love that you had that where it's like, okay, this is interesting. And so I, I just love how your story, again, goes back to that eight-year-old, right? Sitting in front of watching the Brady Bunch. So continue. I love it. Yeah. You know, and I think that what exactly what you're saying, because as I do career coaching on the side, I always tell people, because they're like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't... I, and I say look at jobs. And if anything even sparks the tiniest little thing in your belly or is intriguing or makes you go, hmm, anything, any feeling yes. that's beyond just like flatness, you know, pay attention <laughs> right. to that because yes. those are signs and they may just be like, wait, go look in this direction. Even if it may ultimately lead to a dead end, it's still like, let me look at that because it's by doing all of that, that you start to reveal open windows, open doors. I can't tell you how many times that has happened in my career where I've been like, all right, what is next? And it's because of that turning up, lifting up rocks, looking under that, looking under that, that it's led me down this like amazing career path, ultimately to this, like, you know, having this company that I love, but I absolutely think you have to be open to making space and time for, for that self-discovery. You really do. And the other thing is like, I, I think it's really important also, and I'm sure you talk to, you know, your clients about this is also sometimes you don't know, like you don't know what you want to do, but it's also okay to find out what you don't want to do. So do so many different things. Like you could be like, Oh, I don't know what I want to do, but I know I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to sit behind a desk or I don't want to be in the field. You know, I don't want to work outside or I 
definitely, you know, like there's so many different things. And I think that's so important because I don't think that's taught enough. Like people are always, you know, you're, and still, it's like, what do you want? I mean, my kids in high school and he's like, you know, they're asking us what we want to be and we have to make a decision. And I was like, they're still doing that. I was like, seriously, that's <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, especially yeah. in this world of entrepreneurship, um, through the pandemic, how many more entrepreneurs came about, but it's so like, it's so crazy. I said to him, I was like, yeah, don't even think about that. And then I think my eighth grader in seventh grade, they did that, what what you should be when you grow up. Like they did that test right. that we did back in the day. And, and it gives you yeah. like what, a policeman, a fireman, a teacher, an executive. Like it gives you like four mm -hmm. things. And, and I was like, <laughs> what did you come up with? Or And it was like the silliest things. He's like, what? And I was like, it, just ignore that. Don't yeah. ignore it as you go, because what those tests do is they give you a little insight of what you could be really good at. But just because you're really good at it doesn't mean it's what you're meant to do. Right. And so absolutely. I think there's an alignment. I mean, it's always great to know what you're good at. That certainly fulfills a part of you. Um, and you're, I think, particularly lucky when those things kind of collide, you know, yes. where you can find what you're good at, what you're passionate about and all and that create opportunities. You know, for sure. I think that how I spent my 20s and early 30s was figuring out what I don't want to do. You know, I think that and that's a great decade to do it. You know, a lot of people don't have responsibilities for kids. You know, you may not be making a ton of money. So it's kind of like, all right, you know, yeah. who cares? let me just go take this job. Um, because that is truly how I spent that decade. I, I knew I had a great experience. I, uh, you know, so I ended up going to be a talent agent. So long story short for that phase of my life as I was graduating college was, all right, I now have this thing identified. Um, how do I get a job in it? So, uh, you know, we're talking like it's 1991 pre-internet. So <laughs> I think that I got this list of 100 talent agencies. There used to be this little thing called the Ross Reports for Actors. And that's where they would find out casting directors and agents and stuff like that. So I hired a neighbor and she just helped me. I'm still down in Maryland. And we just did a blast, like 100 talent agencies with a cover letter and a resume. I had nothing on my resume, really. And then uh, I think and I got maybe 10 responses, five of which were rejections. And I think I got five interviews. So I came to New York for a week, interviewed. Some of them were for internships and unpaid. And then one was like, we'll pay you $15,000 to be a receptionist. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I think I had to move to New York in like a week. Um, Isn't that and, crazy uh, also what our salaries were back then? Because I think that like my first job, I think it was $19,000. Yeah. And, and, and then I wonder yeah. why I got a little bit in debt when I lived in New York City. Because I was like right. drinking and going to dinner every night. <laughs> Completely. I know. Um, but, you know, it was a, you know, great job. I worked with great people, four great people, had a blast, you know, and... Um, about so I lasted about two and a half years there. What was really interesting about that job, clearly I met tons of celebrities, right? So this is my first foray into that, you know, um, and how to sort of reconcile this fantasy versus reality because you're meeting people who you know you would have seen on screen, and then you're like, oh, they're short, or oh, their skin <laughs> isn't that great. I don't know, you know, it was this very interesting phenomenon. Yeah. And then also sort of realized that, you know, celebrities can be, you know, insecure, moody people like the rest of us. And <laughs> um, so popped a little bit of a bubble, you know, but that's okay. Like, right. it probably needed to happen. And but what was also really interesting about that, though, is seeing um, 
it was an agency called Buckwald and they're still around and what they're really, they were at least really known for then they were Howard Stern's agent. Um, and they also were really good, um, had a really great um, roster of people who were commercial voiceover actors. And what I found interesting about that and relevant to a lot of maybe of your listeners is that a lot of people probably think even if you're an aspiring actor, just to sp- pick that as a category, like I have to be a movie star or Broadway star to, to actually like have made it in this industry. But what I saw was actually hundreds of actors who really made it as a commercial actor or voiceover. And they were making fine livings for their family, still practicing their craft and stuff like that. And so I thought that was as I advise people with their careers, I'm like, you know, it doesn't always have to be this one lane. Sometimes there's all these other colors and versions that it can be that are also amazing, you know? So I thought that was interesting to say and learn. No, that's interesting. So one of my guests was um, uh, Marianne Alda, who was like back in the day, and I can't think of it if she's listening to this, she's going to be like, I can't believe you don't remember, but she was like one of the first African-American um, uh, soap opera stars. And so it was like during that cool. time. And she yeah. said, during her time, she would do, uh, commercials as well. And, and some of her, like, you know, this, she was in the theater first before she got her, uh, soap opera, but in between work to make money, she would do commercials. And she said, so many of her fellow actors would be like, you're a sellout, you're doing this. And she would say, you guys are working in restaurants, you're working five jobs. So I'm the sellout. No, I'm just making money and I'm able to like have a good life because I'm doing commercials. And then she got like, you know, the commercials spiraled into making her actually on screen more. Um, and that's where the soap opera came, but that's what she would say all the time. And she teaches a lot of young actors and that's what it is. It's not selling out. It's making men's, it's actually being smart. You don't want to be the starving artist. You don't have to be the starting starving artist. Absolutely. And also all these little experiences, they just keep building your competence, your, you know, experience, everything. I mean, I don't regret there. And trust me, there were jobs along the way that were brutal, you know, (laughs) um, either really bad bosses or, you know, whatever it may have been. But I don't even regret those because usually they taught me there's something I needed to learn. I remember, so I left the talent agency to then go be a publicist. And that was like great experience. But I remember I had this boss that would stand over me and she'd be like, pick up that phone. You have to call this particular TV producer. And I was terrified. I was still pretty young, you know, and I was on the phone, but I don't know. I definitely, and she was standing there so intimidating, but it was like, pick up that phone. You need to sell them within 10 seconds on whatever it was, you know, a client, just like get them interested, either get them on a talk show or written about an article. And again, I think I cried every morning that I went to to that job for a year. But (laughs) it taught me how to get on the phone with anybody, get their interest in like 10 seconds or less, which is a skill that still serves me. I know lots of you aren't phone people, but just that ability to hook someone quickly um, has still serviced me throughout the rest of my career. So again, miserable, cried every morning, but one of probably my best, like most important professional experiences. Right. Which again is, and that's where like, you're like, okay, I know I don't want that, but this is what I learned (laughs) out of it. So I love that. And so how, how old were you when you were at the publicist? Uh, I guess this is all like before 25, right? So those really my first two jobs. So as I mentioned, I hopped around in my twenties. I think I went from there to, um, 
I did marketing for this cable company, which was both a pay-per-view back in the day when they had pay-per-view and adult entertainment. So um, <laughs> the Spice Channel, for those of you who remember the Spice Channel. I remember. Um, but, <laughs> but again, like, um, and that was a joyful experience. Like still, I have friends be like, you still have the Spice Channel? I'm like, dude, that was like 20 years ago, but they still remember <laughs> it. But I had to travel the country. I had to talk to cable operators. I did marketing and promotions. You know, I had to go to sort of erotica conventions and crazy stuff. But what I learned in that is how to make anything palatable, how to market anything. And even though these are all sort of a little bit moving from entertainment, the way I viewed it was I was seeing this like rounded perspective of the media entertainment marketing industry. So talent representation, being a publicist, being a promoter marketer. I then went into kind of like event marketing and TV producing and all of this stuff, you know, I pretty much did throughout my 20s. And while they were varied and different, there was still this sort of through line with them and all just really um, building up my experience also teaching me how to sort of run programs, lead teams, delegate, and just, you know, a lot of just skill sets that, you know, again, I think brought me to where I ultimately landed. Stay tuned for a quick message from my sponsor. Hi, my name is Shari Hodes, and I'm the president of Aura Limited, a proud all-women-owned brand marketing and global sourcing agency. Simply put, we provide fashion-forward swag for any and all of your branding needs. Please visit us at www.auralimitedspelledout.com. Right, right. So out of those jobs, those early jobs, because then I want you to kind of jump into like how you secured the company that you own now. Mm -hmm. Um, Out of all those jobs in your early 20s, even though you've learned from everything, what was your favorite, like your favorite one? Like when you all of a sudden think right now, like without thinking too hard, like what comes to your mind first? I mean, I think it had to be Spice. (laughs) It was just such a (laughs) wacky bunch. You know, people think like adult entertainment, ew. But, and trust me, it's not like I'm like a a gigantic fan, but the people (laughs) were all people like me who were a bit really open-minded, a little quirky, but also real professionals. Like it was this professionally run, beautiful office in Soho. And I got to see the country And I just think that was a really rich experience and we had a lot of fun and it was a crazy story. So probably that. (laughs) Okay. We all probably would never have left, but ultimately Playboy bought them and we all had to scatter. Right, right. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so funny. So I know my listeners are going to be like, okay, what did Juliet work at the Spice Channel? I did not. So Lori and I worked at a company called Ambient Planet. It was actually um, British owned and we had, I mean, that was fun too. We used to, I mean... We had so yeah, much well, fun. I do want to tell one quick story about that. And I know that you have, we have limited time, so I won't go on on. But what I will say about that experience, Juliet, I don't know if you know, but that was one of the most unique interviews like I've ever been on. They, you, for listeners, I, Juliet and two other people brought me to Maritime Hotel, plowed me with Bellinis, and were basically like, you're going to make six <laughs> figures, get four weeks vacation, and go to Europe. And I remember leaving and calling my then fiance being like, you're not going to believe this interview. I like, you know, it was like amazing. And all of that came true. So um, we, and we had so <laughs> we had so much fun because the thing that was so fun about that is I remember because I think I was the third employee there. And it mm-hmm. was like, I mean, we 
it, the, the amount of partying because they were, it was like British. So it was like, oh, let's go to lunch and get beers. And I'd be like, wait, we're drinking during the day. I'm not really good at churning it off. Like I, I wasn't one that was like good to have like two glasses of wine and then go back to the office. I'd be like, oh no, can we continue this like celebration? And it was like, they would be like, oh yeah, sure. Let's do it. Um, and so I do remember that. And I remember also, I think when we, a couple of the people that we interviewed too, it was like also during the time where I was starting to have my family. So I was pregnant and I remember one of the times I was like giant and just the amount of fun. And I think we went to Majorca when I was like four and a half months pregnant. And I remember uh-huh. five months pregnant. And I remember the Brits being like, you can drink. And I was like, no, I can't. And they're like, wait a second. <laughs> like this is, you were like this party, party person. Now you have a baby. And and I, and I was like, I'm not going to put alcohol. Like we don't do that in America. Yeah. They're like, and I like, they were like, oh God, you're so not fun anymore. It was so <laughs> funny, but we did. We laughed so much. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, worth noting about then how I ended up spending my thirties, which was largely uh, at the company that you just mentioned at Ambient Planet and had a couple different owners and pivots on that. But um, that was an amazing job and experience. And I, and I, I think it stresses a lot of things, but the importance of an amazing boss, um, yes, who Perry. was supportive. Yeah. Perry was just modeled for me, I think forever after how to try to be a boss and manager to people. I think that she allowed fostered a great work-life balance, even really before it became this like imperative thing that people are demanding. And I think also just worth noting for that for me was sales and business development. Like if you had asked me one year before that, I would have been like never in my life. Like that's a used car salesman. But you know, that ended up transforming my life. And I was not good at it for like eight months. I don't think I sold anything. And I felt like the biggest loser. (laughs) And like Perry hated me. And then all of a sudden it just like clicked. And you know, I went on to be, I think, her top earner for over a decade. And I think that what that whole period empowered in me, not only did I ultimately start to manage people and hire people and all that kind of stuff and just sell. Um, once you start, you find the ability to sell. And I know that's not for any everybody, but you just start to realize like that you're really the asset. Like I can then go sell myself. I can go sell anything and I can just make stuff happen out of nothing. You know, right. some people who do sales get leads given to them or whatever. We definitely had to unearth everything and make it all happen from nothing. So I think that really led to ultimately where I am now. Long story short, to leap to that, leapfrog to that. <clears throat> while I love, love, love that, had two babies while I was with Perry in that job. And I don't think, you know, um, and the, I would also say the great support I had with the supportive husband and the nanny that I had when I was like really working those years, um, helped made all this happen. But I think that I started to approach 50 and I was like, where's entertainment? <laughs> you know, <'cause laughs> that job was like media and advertising. And I just was like this thing that I wanted when I was eight, you know, I right. want that still. And, um, I then spent a couple of years sort of like soul searching and everyone was like, how can you leave that job? You love Perry. You love every, you know, that work. And, but I just wasn't feeling it anymore. And that's an important thing I want to touch on because that is important when you, sometimes you go through the ups and downs, right? Like I actually left, how many years did we work there together? Cause I left when, I? so I, I don't even, I mean, it was a number of years, but yeah, it was like three. <laughs> I 
I left to, to stay home and I started in sales and then, and that's what the thing that was so amazing about Perry. Then I went to operations and because I like fixed the computer a couple of times, I was like the tech person. And I was like, there, you know, <laughs> and, and that's what she saw. She'd be like, you're really good at this. Can you help with this? And I would be like, oh yeah. And I, I mean, it's so funny to think that I was doing things, you know, this is before it got real techie. Mm-hmm. Like I was not, that's not yeah. my background. Um, but so that's where I was when I left the company. But I think what you said is, is so important about you know, a boss that really sees the importance in the things that you're good at and helps, uh, you know, helps get you to that place. But it's also important when you're not feeling it, you're going to have those ups and downs. But if you're having more of the downs where you're not feeling it, you really need to explore that. And I don't think enough people do that. That's where I think people then just go through life, just like, eh, I guess this is life. And they don't go through right. it with passion. No. And they think like, or they, they just stay with the devil that they know, or they have the golden handcuffs, you know, of just making a certain amount of money. And I honestly think that that's a soul crusher and that you got to keep going towards the passion because right. I just knew that I had to do that. And trust me, it was making great money there and it was tough to walk away. So very quickly, like I ultimately I explored a couple things, uh, you know, went on a lot of interviews, still working there, you know, um, like selling movie advertising, like before movies. And then that wasn't really it. I didn't go and do that, but these are all things I explored. And then finally, ironically, I talked about the circuitous circle. I ended up back at another talent agency because I really quickly, I was like, I remember one weekend I said to my husband, I'm like, I need to go sit on the deck for 20 minutes. He's like, oh, you do? I said, yeah. I just felt like I needed this quiet space. I, I say it was like a little angel on my shoulder going, you need to listen to something really quickly. And I sat there and I'm not good at meditating, but I tried. And all of a sudden, this little voice was like, talent booker, talent booker, which was not on my radar at all. But I'm like, I just was like an epiphany. I, I literally that. went, started like looking online, found this job called talent booker. That was like this exact description of something I would be amazing at. Long story short, I pursued it, pursued it, pursued it. No one was getting back to me. I think I ended up stalking some people on LinkedIn, went to a kid who had worked at a company I had 20 years different from me. But I ended up emailing him being like, Hey, look, it's a small world. We both worked at the same place. I was wondering if you could tell me about this job, you know, company, there seems to be a job. He's like, sure. So we had an informational interview. He got my resume in front of like the owners went in for an interview, got the job at this agency. And it was just crazy because what I had rejected like 20 something years earlier as a job I didn't want, I ended up back doing. And uh, I knew within a few months, it was not the place for me. You know, I just I won't go into the details on that. But <laughs> that's when I was like, all right, here I am. What next then? And I just started to, again, scour the internet, little buzzwords. If something came to me in the middle of the night, I like looked it up. Write it down. I was like, you know, looked up this term, this term, this term, this term. And then ultimately, I came across these little videos of this lady telling how to work with celebrities. And she was adorable. And like, I was smitten. And I'm like, who is this lady, Rita Tatil? And um, she had a company called The Celebrity Source. So I pursued her, stalked her, she ignored me. I literally, yeah, because tenacity and persistence, very, very big, I will say. I was just going to say, that's, <laughs> that's if, if anyone can take, you know, take, I know that we're going to take a lot of things out of this episode, but that persistence and tenacity is so important. And that's one thing I teach my kids all the time. You're going to get no's. 
But if it's something that you're really, you just keep at it, keep at it. And you don't, you're not, you don't need to be disrespectful or annoying. There's a very fine line. And once you're good Mm -hmm. at that fine line, because I am very good at that fine line as well. It is a remarkable gift that God gave you. Yes. So (laughs) I love that. Because I mean, people are busy. People are like, oh, I wish to maybe get back to the person they don't or whatever. A thousand reasons. So you're absolutely right. You got to do it tactfully and work correctly. So anyway, I called her finally. I'm like, I'm going to just pick up the call, the phone and call her. I happened to get her. And she really, I remember quickly wanted to try to get me off the phone. She, I was like, oh, you know, she's in LA. And she's like, I said, do you want a New York rep? And she was like, no, no, I, I think I'm good. And then I sort of pivoted and just was like, well, how are you getting new business right now? And she, it just was like the right thing to say. She's like, well, now that you mention it, I'm struggling with that. And so we ended up talking for an hour and a half. She was like, uh, why don't we give it a try? And, you know, let's see what happens. She's like, I can't hire you, hire you, but maybe do things on the side. Um, and we'll see where this goes. And we ended that conversation saying, I said, well, you're going to teach me everything and then give me the company. And she <laughs> said, started laughing. And we both were like, we think this is Bishert, which is the yeah, others for meant to be. And then that happened. I think I moonlit for her for maybe six months um, while I was working a full-time job and looking for other jobs. And finally, I was like, Rita, hire me or I got to go get another job. Because the one I'm at, I'm not digging. (laughs) uh, She's like, all right, let's make it happen. So I worked for her for a year. And by the end of that year, she came to New York and it's like, it's time. You take the company. And here we are. That's amazing. And how many years ago Mm -hmm. was that? That was three. So I've had it for three years now. Okay. And, and she's so, still a part of the company um, as a president and advisor. And she's amazing. And uh, yeah. I love that. So I know we, we are going to cut this short, but I'm um, not mm-hmm. short, but like we're at the end of that. But I definitely am going to have you on again, maybe on the live show to kind of talk about, you know, how taking over a company and then going through COVID, like what are some of those big things? So I want you to think in. <laughs> so this is not the <laughs> this is not the end of Lori Kessler, just so you guys know, because that is, I mean, there's so many things I love about your story and I love how you did a lot of soul searching, but I also like I talk to my listeners and my clients all the time about that exactly what you did. You went outside and listened, right? You were like, I need, mm-hmm. I need to, I need to pause my body and listen instead of just rushing through life because you knew that you, you know, there was something more for you, right? I always say to people, when you're unsettled and you're unsettled more than not, it means you're not, you're not doing what you're meant to be doing in life. And so you really need to listen to that unsettled. Um, again, you're going to have days, right? There's not all days that are roses and, and champagne, right? Sure. It's a ride. It's a roller coaster ride for sure. It's such a roller coaster ride. So, okay. So, I would love for you to leave my listeners with like three things that, um, like, that come to your mind right away. Are like, you know what? These are things that if you're if you're feeling unsettled, these are my top tips to do. Definitely to create a visualization. I mean, I know that sounds a little hippy dippy, but too many times in my life have I taken the moment to think about it in such detail what I wanted to manifest and then it manifested that it's crazy. I yes. will be like, I think I'm a witch sometimes, <laughs> like just the things that I really thought through and then became reality. Certainly the tenacity and persistence in a respectful, proper way, but you can never give up, you know? And then to, I'd say really trust and allow yourself to pursue your happiness and joy, you know, wherever that may lead, even if it's a different version than you think, like you always keep going for that because, you know, I think it just keeps your vitality, keeps life exciting. 
um, and, and, you know, on a good path. I love that. Okay. So tell everyone where they can find you. So our website is thecelebritysource.com or, and you can always email me at info at thecelebritysource.com. Great. Awesome. Well, Lori, thank you so much. This has like been so fun reconnecting with you and getting back so together and, and hearing your whole story. Cause I knew some of it, but I didn't know all of it. So, you know, mm-hmm. thank you again, really appreciate it. And we will have you on the mm-hmm. live show just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> You've been a joy. Thank you so much, Julia. This was fun. Yes. Okay, guys, you know what to do. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating and review. This is how we get our episodes out. There's so many people that need to hear stories of inspiration and the ups and downs of life because it is what life is about. But if you're not following a passion, you're not living life to the fullest. So like, if you like what you heard, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share with all your friends. And we will see you guys next week with another person that has followed a passion and turned it into a business. Thanks again, Lori. Thank you. Bye, everyone. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 